Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, hello. We're back. The Unsackable Podcast with your host, Manuel Fate. And this is just a quick one. Quick World Cup roundup. Uh, lots of exciting stuff happened, in, especially in Edmonton, but also in Jamaica. And uh, I think Jamaica is a good keyword because I feel like I called that result um, earlier this week. And I the man to talk to us about all you all things you asked later later on the show is Filippo. Filippo, how are you doing? And how how have you recovered from first the highs of the Mexico game to the lows of the Jamaica game? Man, it's a, it seems something that U.S. men's national team fans are just grown accustomed to, right? So the reason you were able to call it is because anyone that has no bias, and when we're fans, we're biases. You were rational, and you're like, hey, U.S. just beat Mexico. There's no way Greg will win two games in a row right here, two big games. So you knew it would happen. We got a draw away. We did get a little bit lucky on a goal from Jamaica that was called out, which to me it was a fair goal. Regardless of that, we got four points, and unfortunately we're behind Canada. We'll talk about that soon. Hmm. I'm doing great, Manuel. Great. Well, we're definitely going to talk about that. I'm sorry, but you're on a show with three rude Canadians. and Way so we'll, too rude. Way too rude. Way too rude. Sorry uh, <laughs> to talk about all all the stuff that's happened in Edmonton. And I, I, Josh, I saw you on Twitter. You were just ecstatic about it. And you went on and did the Twitter space and all that kind of stuff. Great content. Loved it. Um, how are you doing? Have you recovered? Is your voice back? It's it's getting there. I uh, Yeah, it was a long one. I didn't go to bed till like 2.30 that night. Did all nice right. Little- Nice the little live difference. stream. Yeah. Everyone was just like, I want to get my opinions in. So I decided to do my little Twitter space there. Yeah, it, was, it was really cool. It's a, it's a very cool moment. Uh, mm. As someone who may not know about me on the channel, like I grew up in a town of 2,000. 2,000 people. Guess what? Hockey is the only thing that is talked about here. So I just, it's very cool to me to see all the all the people who came out to the watch along and, and all the support that we had and to show that this country actually does have a lot of soccer fans on it. And then on top of that, We've just taken six points in this window, a little bit better than the U.S., and also we're able to get uh, four points from Mexico, which if you told me that, honestly, like five years ago, I'd have laughed at you thinking that it's impossible, but it, it's incredible, and, and being here with three Canadians and, and, and an American, it's, it's still pretty cool. I know people deep down is a little bit happy for us. When was the last time you made it to a World Cup, Canada? Okay, salty, salty. <laughs> 86. But we might actually qualify <laughs> for this one though, so that's the difference. Um Adrian, we, we I'm based on Vancouver Island. You are from Vancouver Island. Um 
it's a little different here that hockey isn't the number one sport football or soccer is quite big and you could you could get the sense of that on this weekend the, the canucks in vancouver had the uh the canada game the highlights from the canada game on on the jumbotron ahead of the match during the national anthem that's like the equivalent of um any U.S. national team soccer highlights being shown at any American football game. It's quite a big moment. And I think on the West Coast, because soccer is so big here, um, it's the biggest participation sport by by far. I think people here maybe saw it a little bit different. It, it's so exciting though, isn't it, Adrian? Yeah, and I think, you know, I think in Quebec, well, mind you, <laughs> hockey is obviously huge across the country. We're not saying otherwise, but I think also in Montreal, we've spoken about on the podcast how the culture here is so big. Um, and yeah, I, it's to see the Canadian men's national team highlights on the Jumbotron at Rogers Arena, that must have been just something else. But, you know, the numbers, and I think that you retweeted them, the numbers, the, the viewership of that game in Edmonton against Mexico, I think that the three Canadian hockey teams that were playing that night combined equaled the viewership of the Canadians men's national team. So that really says a lot, doesn't it, Manu? Yeah, it really does. Uh, I think people don't quite understand how big that is. That's like the three Monday, Monday night American football games together being like less than a game in the United States. I mean, I think it's a huge moment and we're going to talk a lot about it, but before we dive into that, um, before we talk about the U.S.'s failure in Jamaica and Canada's success against Mexico, um, we need to talk about Louis van Gaal coaching the Netherlands to the World Cup in a wheelchair. Um, it was a great moment for the Netherlands. They're in. Uh, Stefan Kunz, former German U21 national team coach, getting Turkey into the playoffs. Um, Adrian, you did a little bit of a video on the UEFA qualification stage that's next, the playoffs, right? And because you... You are, that's that's a subject matter that you just covered. I think it, this is a good time to go to you and maybe give people a quick overview of what's going to happen next. Yeah, absolutely. So as we know in the past, it used to be eight teams. The eight runners up from the qualifying stage will get thrown into these home and away playoffs. The winner of each playoff, the you know, over the two legs, will get sent to the World Cup. But now... With the UEFA Nations League, that that like they like to really shove the UEFA Nations League into as many things as possible, just to give it some sort of credibility. So it's now the twelve-team playoff. So we have ten teams, the ten runners-up from each group. Then the two teams that are added are group winners from the UEFA Nations League that hadn't yet managed to qualify. And basically, instead of just a home and away, there's only three places up for grabs, right? So the twelve teams are divided into three little mini tournaments, basically, where there's semifinals and then a final, much like the final four of the UEFA Nations League. And so there's these three separate paths. The seeded teams versus the unseeded teams are drawn against each other. There's a semifinal and a final. And here's the thing, Manu. This is where it gets very scary for all the teams that are participating. Single match elimination. There's no second leg. So we're talking if you get a red card early, like we saw Benucci against Spain, in the UEFA Nations League, or you get a you know a horror injury in the first half, or you score an own goal, or whatever, you don't have a second ninety to make it up. You have to get it done within that single ninety. So it's going to be exciting for all the neutrals, uh, but very very anxiety inducing for anyone who's watching one of their nations take part. And this is all going to happen in March, right? So that's the dates that we have for this. Um, yeah, scary. I, I think. Adrian, how do you feel about Portugal's chances in this? 
Yeah, so I think that was sort of something that I should have mentioned also. So the matches are taking place at the end of March, but the draw is taking place at the end of November, November 26th. Um, as for Portugal's opportunities here, I'm I'm not feeling great. Now, we did have Fernando Santos saying that if Portugal fails to make it, he will step down. So it's kind of nice in a way to see a manager sort of take that responsibility and be like, look, if I fail, then I'll step down and let someone else have an opportunity. So I am sort of, you know, thankful in that regard. It's nice to see that. that but at the same time, if Portugal managed to qualify, then it's going to be more Fernando Santos disaster class <laughs> defensive football in the World Cup once again. And his record in major tournaments really isn't good, despite the whole paradox of that being that he managed to win one of the tournaments. So... I don't know. I'm I'm feeling nervous when you look at the teams that are unseated, which I guess we should go through. There's no easy there's no easy draw really. So let's just run through those quickly. We have on the seated side Portugal, Scotland, Italy, Russia, Sweden, Wales, Turkey. Uh t- sorry, Turkey is on the unseated side with Poland, North Macedonia, Ukraine. So it's it's not going to be easy, is it? Czech Republic, Austria, they're also in there. There's no easy games. No, there isn't. And if I'm neutral, so I'm going to enjoy the spectacle of it. I I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, The drama, the drama, Adrian, I live for the drama. Um, So I can't wait. And I think it's going to be very exciting to see what the draw is going to be. Philippe, what do you make of all of this? Uh, same as you, uh, it's going to be exciting to watch because essentially, if you think about it, it's almost like a pre-knockout round for the World Cup, right? It's almost like the World Cup already. What we love so much about the World Cup, when you're neutral, right? When your country's knocked out or not playing for whatever reason, like the U.S. in 2018, but Brazil was there. But just to watch these knockout rounds, it's exciting. And I have nothing to lose with it. So me, Manuel, I'm assuming Josh, we're just going to sit back and enjoy March. March is going to be an exciting month. A lot of World Cup qualifiers are going to be over by then. Uh, CONCACAF as well, UEFA. I don't follow the Asian African as much. I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah, I think we all will. Um, Filippo, I'm going to stay with you because we have to make that transition to CONCACAF and all the crazy stuff that happened this week. And it really was crazy all around. I mean... Um, We'll have to talk lots about Canada, of course. We'll have to talk lots about Jamaica and US. And that Antonio goal was a beauty. And US, you know, they, they battled through a draw. I personally thought um, the second Jamaica goal should have stood. Um, that's my personal opinion. I think they were very lucky that it didn't uh, conquer Cuff in, in the infinite wisdom and upbringing in VAR. In for the next round of qualifiers, which is I think is crazy because like at this stage that means that we had more than half the games played without it, and then all of a sudden we're gonna bring it in, um, and we're gonna give this tool to referees that you know most of the time can't even make it past the center circle, let alone to a screen. So this is going to be very interesting. But your thoughts on the one-one draw? Yes, I called it early. Uh, it was very predictable. Jamaica is a difficult place to go, and they have a lot of the best players back. So this wasn't me saying the US isn't great. I'm just saying Jamaica is a difficult place, and it's actually a pretty good team that you know early on in the qualifiers struggled because of COVID and COVID protocols, etc. Right? What was what was your perspective for this game, Filippo? 
No, for starters, I agree with you in regards to Jamaica. The the team on paper is very good. They did have the worst coach in CONCACAF, Tapa Whitmore, which, by the way, just got fired. So hopefully, not hopefully, because I don't want them to actually beat us. Or, or But they're going to look a lot better, Jamaica. But in regards to the game, um, the thing was, we were all, the United States fan base was very high on the Dos Acero win against Mexico, our rivals. We played Mexico twice during the summer. We beat them twice, but we got outplayed. So to finally watch the United States play Mexico and actually deserve the win from a soccer standpoint, just deserve it, it was special. And we were high on that. And Greg Berhalter, to start the lineup, he put up a good lineup against Jamaica. I, I don't have anything to complain about it. Maybe Joe Scali should have played for Yadlin, but I don't think that would have been what would have changed the way we play or the results. We were obviously missing Weston McKinney, which a player in that level in CONCACAF makes a huge difference. We saw that against Mexico and many different opponents. And yeah, like you said, Antonio scored a golazo. It was a sick goal. I saw some people blaming Zach Steffen personally. Maybe some goalkeepers could have saved that, but it's pretty crazy to say that Stefan failed in that goal. Now, someone that did fail in that goal and I think made a mistake was Tyler Adams, which apparently Tyler Adams hasn't learned yet that at the highest level, when you make a mistake, you get punished. And I'm not saying CONCACAF's the highest level, but Mikel Antonio is a player playing at the highest level. And Tyler made the same mistake against Manchester City in the Champions League for Jack Grealish, allowing him to cut, giving him time and space on his right foot. He shot, he scored, made the mistake against PSG, passing it back and leading to a PSG goal. Something Tyler has to, to, to learn about. Now, just so I don't take the mic too long, one thing to add too, yes, Jamaica's goal was a legit goal. I didn't really notice anything, any foul, anything that shouldn't disallow the goal, essentially. But if we're going to get into those specifics, Jamaica should have had one or two red cards earlier in the game, which was only given a yellow card, in my opinion, as well. But in regards to the goal, yes, you're absolutely correct. I, I didn't see any found to play. Overall, because of that, yes, we got lucky we got a point, and Jamaica's a tough environment to play. We'll take it, but not. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with the result, Manuel. Josh, what do you make of the fact that CONCACAF is now bringing in VAR for the next round of qualifiers. I mean... Late to the yeah, party as usual. <laughs> very late, but shouldn't we do it for the next World Cup cycle now? It, I mean, it seems it seems awkward. It, it seems like they realized the mistake that they made. There's a, a bunch of controversial decisions that VAR could have been very, very useful for throughout this campaign, but it, it's awkward to to put it in, I'm, I'm not opposed to it because this is the biggest deal for some of these countries. I mean, I'm going to throw it over to the African qualifiers for the, the game between South Africa and Ghana. It, it came down to a VAR decision. It was a penalty that was given. Uh, Ghana scored on it. Both teams finished 4-1-1 one and one, and Ghana moved up to the next round of the World Cup qualifiers because of a single goal. Uh, VAR could have fixed that. It, it means everything. I mean, I know how much excitement Canadians have right now. Could you imagine having a situation like that where a VAR decision is there and instead of going the proper way, the correct way, it, it doesn't and it costs a, a nation a spot at, at going to the World Cup. So it's it's frustrating that we've gone this long without it. I'm not against putting it in. It just makes them almost look, uh, I don't know, looks looking a little bit embarrassing, the fact that they're adjusting this late into qualifiers. Yeah, and it's 
it's a weird little trend that we're seeing in the world of football, really, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was only this past August where UEFA, they initially didn't have VAR for the qualifiers either. And then in August, they decided, hey, you know, from here on out, we're going to start using VAR. We'll provide either the, if the stadium doesn't have the technology to do it, we'll provide them some vans that will be their VAR vans outside of the stadium. So it seems strange because VAR has been around for a while. Like I think, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, Manu, but I think that the first tournament where they actually sort of tested it out was the Confederations Cup in 2017. So it's not like this is a new technology. It's been widely used in many major tournaments now. So why not just use it? And many leagues as well. So why not just use it for the beginning of this qualifying cycle? Yeah, it was at the at the Confederations Cup. I was at a, I covered that tournament. Uh, I was at that tournament, and <laughs> I remember the uh, many confusions the VR caused. And then later on, of course, at the World Cup, I, I personally thought um, there's a techno- technology that I actually I actually am for VR. I think if used right, it's a great. It's a great aid for the referee. And I think this is what people get confused, right? It's an aid for the referee. But there needs to be certain things in place for it to work. The referees need to be schooled the right way. And it needs to ensure that it, it uh, sustains com- a competitive integrity. And I, I personally just feel that if you started a tournament without it, then you have to finish it without it. You just can't bring it in halfway because all of a sudden, you know, almost half the games are being refereed at a different standard in the first half and that is personally where where i see the problems with the way it's being rolled out um but yeah we are i mean i'm also looking forward just to conquer cuff conquer cuffing vr i mean filippo you follow this this division or the, the, the hexagonal as it used to be and now it's the octagonal right but i mean this is going to be so very interesting the VR in some small stadium somewhere in Honduras um, with the crowd chanting and stuff flying on the pitch. And all of a sudden we're having this like high end technological product out there and um, a, a referee in charge who, you know, probably shouldn't even drive a car, let alone run a screen like that. What do you think of all of this? Yeah, expect the unexpected in CONCACAF, right? So <laughs> uh, we're going to add the VAR and and some people might think now things will smoothen out, it'll start to work, there'll be no more mistakes. Trust me, in CONCACAF, whatever happens, expect something crazy and wrong to be the final outcome of it. So I think I agree with you. I'm for the VAR. I'm for the VAR in every competition. I think it adds value and, and honestly, like it, it makes the ref more calm on his job. Because he knows if he makes a mistake, he can still fix it and he'll be alerted to do so. But for some reason, I just have a bad feeling about this addition of the VR at the second half of World Cup qualifying here in CONCACAF. I just think something's going to go wrong. And and I think anyone that follows CONCACAF would probably agree with me. Yeah, I do. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. 
This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, boys, let's move from Jamaica. And we're going to talk you know, about this quite a bit because it is a huge historic moment. It's Canada's first World Cup qualifying victory in 43 years over Mexico. It's Canada's first victory in a competitive match against Mexico in 20 years, although in that game at the 2000 Gold Cup, which is the tournament that Canada won, Canada didn't win in regulation time. They won in extra time. So technically speaking, that was a draw. Um, it's a huge result. It's a big result. And it was... And I, I am still critical about... Um, not about the atmosphere at the stadium and not the way Edmonton presented itself as a host. Um, the way the city embraced this team, I think that was absolutely brilliant. And the game on Tuesday sold 50,000 tickets. Um, anyone who's followed the news knows that Western Canada has been hit very hardly by um, severe weather um, in BC, but also in Alberta. So not everyone could go into the game, which is too bad. Six thousand, About 6,000 people missed um, the match, even though they had bought tickets. That's terrible, and that, that, that sucks because it's a big moment, right? And, um, and I hope that everyone who is in Western Canada and was affected by, by what, what's going on here um, stays safe and that um, the help is going to come from the federal government soon. But we have to talk about this game because I feel like, Josh, on a better pitch... And we have to, there's so much talk about how Canada was so clever to go to this venue and freeze out Mexico. I feel like that man-to-man, Canada can not only match Mexico, but because of the way Mexico play and the, the speed that we have, we maybe stifled ourselves a little bit here, didn't we? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Everyone thinks um, the Canadians are built with like a winter coat attached to their skin. And and a lot of people forget that a lot of these Canadian men's national team players who are playing in Europe don't see this type of weather. Uh, it's just the fact that it's it's Canada where the game's being played. And it was in a, in a very cold and uh, d- different atmosphere. But I, I agree in terms of this Mexican side going in this match, they knew that their their fullbacks were their weak point and our strengths with our speed. Not only our wingbacks who have been playing fantastic, but especially the speed of Alfonso Davies and Tejon Buchanan. If you've played, because I mean, I'm Canadian, I'm not going to lie, I have played in that type of weather before. Uh, it's hard to get to full speed. It's hard to stretch those legs out in, in a very freezing cold atmosphere like that. So I absolutely agree the way that we're playing going into this, trying to maybe out strategize CONCACAF and put it in Edmonton. I don't think that really worked out into our favor. I think we won both games. We got six points, which is fantastic. But I think we could have done it in at BMO. We could have done it in BC. We could have done it just about anywhere because that's just kind of how this team is playing right now. I'm going to stick with you there, Josh, because there was a moment after Canada made it two, um, and Lauren <laughs> scored two goals. Um, his pass completion was absolutely trash. And I, I everyone's pass completion on that day was trash because anyone who's played at minus 10 degrees on a field turf um, or plastic, as I always say, knows how how it's really not ideal. Um, you feel like you're skidding the entire time. It's like playing on ice, essentially. Um, but after Laren made it 2-0, and I feel like the moment Laren scored the first and then the second, this Canada team really had found its legs. But there was a moment when Tejan Buchanan broke away and um, 
Canada went 2v1 against Mexico, uh, Davies and Buchanan, right, with their speed. And Buchanan could have done everything right there, but I think he almost lost his legs because it was so cold. Remember that pass that he then ended up playing to Davies and it was completely lost? And that would have made it 3-0. And I think, you know, game set and done. And I feel like that's the kind of moments where, where we kind of hurt ourselves. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I want to give credit to John Herbin coming out with that second half because, I mean, getting that first goal right before halftime was massive and everyone has a debate and that psychological debate with yourselves is whether we sit back and defend or we attack. In Canada, it, with this mentality that Herbin's created, they attacked and they took the game in the second half and found their stride like you were talking about, made it 2 nothing, And then, yeah, that, that was an opportunity to make it 3 and dead and buried and because we didn't take it, obviously, the last few minutes. I think the nerves got to some of these players. This is still, as a lot of people forget, this is still a team that isn't used to this type of uh, environment this type of atmosphere they haven't done this before so those nerves definitely got to Canada and in the end we did get a little bit lucky to get away with it but overall I still think the three points were deserved but uh, yeah it, Buchanan Davies on a on a two-on-one like that I mean all, all Buchanan had to do was I mean either fake the pass take it on for himself but more than likely the, the easy decision was just to slide the ball into Davies running at full speed you're not going to miss him and I don't know what happened he just he, it looked like he fluffed it. it it I don't know if he just thought he was going to get the connection everyone's got to remember that your feet are freezing cold the ball is freezing cold so he obviously I'm assuming the weather had something to do with it but he just mishit it and the ball just went almost sideways to to no one it was a huge opportunity and Mexico got got let off but you got to admit and assume that at BMO that's in the back of the net yeah Adrian um the other criticism I had was the substitutions uh Cavallini coming on and I've seen Cavallini all year struggling. And um, the news that I've been hearing is that the Whitecaps are now shopping him in Mexico because he's just not fast enough for MLS, let alone for this Canadian national team. And um, you saw that. And you are up 2-0. You know Mexico are going to press. And you're bringing on Cavallini and Osorio. That my, when I saw those substitutions, I'm like, what is Hurtman doing? Like, you're not looking for stability here. You're not taking off your fastest player. You, in, 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 if everything, you want to keep on your speed because you're going to hit them on the break, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was, I think that shocked a lot of people to see Cavallini come on. Um, and you could see it on the pitch, the effect throughout from all those substitutions that you mentioned. Canada started to, you know, sort of lose control of the game a little bit, which was a shame because for 70, 80 minutes, we didn't really see Mexico. And then at the end there, there was a danger. If it wasn't for Borian saving that off of the line, there was a danger of that result being 2-2. And what a shame that would have been because it would have been a huge misrepresentation of how that match actually went. If you look at the stats from the first half, Mexico didn't even have an attempt on goal. Not a shot on target, not even an attempt on goal. So it was questionable. And Josh, I know we were talking about this earlier. Some of the selections to begin with from Herdman were a little bit interesting, especially when we look at that back line. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because John Herbin's in such an incredible job. And I think he deserves so much credit for this Canadian men's national team because I truly don't believe they would have the mentality and the belief to do what they're doing right now. But I mean, when I was looking at this two-game window, which is a lot different than uh than a three game window is that you have the ability not to really need to dive that deeply into depth for your starters vittoria has been an absolute wall for us an absolute wall he's been incredible we don't have crazy center back depth at least in the type of center backs to vittoria and i assumed that vittoria was going to start this match there was some rumors that henry was going to get it 
he did go with Henry, and it looked like it could have really, really cost us. Seconds in the game, he took a clumsy foul, had a few more clumsy fouls, got his yellow, lucky not to maybe be sent off. And on top of that, he was burnt at least two or three times with speed. He just looked very, very out of place. And I mean, you got to give credit to Herdman, I guess, to fix his his wrong because he made a, a first half substitution. And when you make a first half substitution on a player who isn't injured, it, it's a it's an indication that this player was not up to speed. Put on Vittoria, we looked a lot calmer, got our goal, and went on there. But yes, and speaking of Cavallini, the only thing I could I could guess because I had a lot of people asking me in the live chat, like, what has Herdman doing, especially with Ik Ubo on the bench, the the new striker. You think it, you want to maybe throw him in, not go for the most out, out of form striker at MLS. It's just, I guess, Cavallini's sides. Maybe Herdman thought for set piece defending, get, get a big body like that. Cavallini did win a very important corner very late in the game, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a head scratcher. I know Cavallini is is liked by Herdman, um, but I mean, just I mean, you Manuel knows he's his performances with Whitecaps. He really shouldn't even be in this national team anymore. No, not in current form. And um, every national team coach has their favorites and they, they're going to go with those players. And um, Cavallini seems to be one of them. I guess he delivered early on when Herdman took over. I have to actually ask this tough question um, because you mentioned, Josh, that Herdman has done a great job with this group. And this is the, the best generation we've had in this country, period, full stop. This is the best generation we've ever had. And you still see him making a lot of mistakes with his game management. The the, the fact that Doniel Henry started, Cavallini laid on, Osorio laid on. These are things that can cost you game. And I, I, I'm going to ask you both that, Josh, and then Adrian, you can jump in as well. But I actually think that he's not doing that great of a job some of the times. It's, I mean, that's an interest. It's an interesting de- debate. I mean, just fr- from what I look at, John Herman, I, I do think he's he's doing a good job. I, I know sometimes with the game management, um, it can get him. He is learning, uh, but he's taking this Canadian national team. Who I mean, we don't have to go over what they were to what they are now. But I mean, they're sitting four four and zero right now, top of Concacaf. It's almost unheard of, and there's been a lot of issues and, and complaints going on with other managers in in the Concacaf right now. I mean, between Greg Tata, I mean. Theodore just got fired. I mean, they're, they're all over the place. And, and Herman hopefully will learn from it because it's something that I've noticed that he's able to do is when something like this happens, hopefully he learns from it. He realizes that, okay, maybe Henry isn't the guy to, to start this game, which maybe is a little bit obvious. Maybe he's not the guy to be on the, the side anymore. Not, not, maybe not even being in the team. I I do get what you're saying, and there's a couple times, but I just looking at the results, looking at the way that this team's playing, and I'm, I'm proud to see them go out against Mexico and, and take the game to them because it, it just it's unbelievable to see what we used to be like. And all I got to hope is that Herman will learn from the situation and, and be like, okay, I, what I did in this match was not right. Um, it, it could have really cost us. We did somewhat get lucky at the end, but at the end of the day, I, I don't know if there's another manager I would want in this position because he's just doing incredible right now. Yeah, we should probably, I, I want to ask Manuel, Manuel, we can trade. If you're not happy with Herdman, we can trade Greg Burhalter for Herdman. What do you think? No, no it's i understand that and you know i think that um national teams are a tricky one anyways right because the the best coaches are with the club teams they traditionally are 
And that's just how it is. I mean, it's very seldom. <laughs> my my country, Germany, just lucked out that they got one of the best coaches in the world because, um, you know, he didn't want to coach Bayern anymore. That that rarely happens, right? Um, but I think the best coaches in the world are with the club team. So it is a little bit difficult to get good coaches for national teams. Um, and Hartmann, yeah, I think he needs to develop. Um you know, maybe I'm just critical, but I just the game management in the last ten minutes could have cost us three points, and I'm, I'm going to stick with that. And I think uh, Adrian Doniel Henry is such a train wreck. Like, why start him? And I understand we we went before this podcast. We looked at uh, Canada's centre back depth, and there isn't much there. Um, so I get that, but um, that is really an area that we need to work on, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just to go off of, you know, you you had initially asked me what I thought of Hurtman before Filippo rudely jumped in. I'm joking, Filippo. That was that was I was actually going to throw it to you and ask if you want it, if you would be interested in Hurtman. But um, I think that for every mistake he's made, I think that he's also shown in the past that he is capable of making those little adjustments to our shape and uh, and to our personnel on the pitch in order to get, you know, that second half goal that Canada sometimes needs. But um, yeah, the center back position is a little bit of a worry. I don't know why Daniel Henry was in there. Maybe the physios for Canada said, look, the most that you can get out of Stephen Vittoria, maybe he has a niggling injury or something like that. The most you can get out of him is about 50 minutes. So then he thought, what's the point of even starting him? Um, We don't know. But it was certainly a head scratcher. I think all of us were looking at that and thinking the worst was going to happen, thinking that that was going to be the area of the pitch that we were going to get scorched on. And like you said, looking at the depth chart for Canada, as far as the center backs go, it really is a problem area. Uh, yesterday, I was I was working on a video about Italy and how they have that issue as well. And looking at Canada now, it really opened our eyes looking at that because once you go beyond the guys who are in the squad, it's you know you're really sort of grasping at straws, aren't you? Yeah, I'm with lots of strikers. Um, just had another one committed, right, in Ikeokbo. Yeah, Doniel Henry um, seems to be the cream of the crop with his market value. When I'm looking at the centre-back list, the transfer mark right now. Scott Kennedy, of course, I think is the future. Um, Vittoria is a very good defender. Um, he's getting older, though. And then when you look down the list, we did have the Canadian Premier League market value update. And I want to bring up a couple of names that I think are going to be interesting in the future. And one of them is Karifa Yao from Coverley, who I like a lot. Lucas McNaughton, I think, has a, uh, has a Canadian passport. He was born in Belgium, but he also has a U.S. citizenship, I think. And then there's Rocco Romeo from, from Valor, uh, who I actually also think has a big future. And, um, you know, at some point, you maybe for after the qualifiers, you need to try out some of these guys and give some of the Canadian Premier League players um, some minutes. Um, and Waterman, of course, um, I saw you write that into the chat. He's another one that I think need, needs, a, needs to give some time. Filippo, you want to chime in here? No, uh, Canada does have an interesting depth chart, right? Because they are, Canada is missing players in certain pieces, especially when it comes to defense. But you look into Canada, they can also afford to bench Jonathan David against Mexico and pull a win, right? Uh, sometimes you can afford to bench Tejon Te Buchanan. So, it's an interesting team, especially with when it comes to the, the the forwards, the offense of this team, very powerful. And then defense is where probably you guys need some work here and there, even though they've been holding their own in CONCACAF, to be fair. I think defensively, you can always make up more tactically, right? It's always harder to score goals than to prevent them. 
And so maybe it works in CONCACAF. But um, Philippe, I'm going to stay straight with you because Outlook, next game, next window is against the U.S., uh, Canada Soccer still hasn't announced the venue. There's lots of rumors about Toronto, maybe Hamilton, maybe BC Place, maybe Winnipeg. Who knows? Um, they want to keep this uh, want to keep this as close to their chest as possible, as long as possible, because um, a lot of the cities that are in question are also close to the U.S. border, and I guess they want to have as little American fans traveling up as possible and um, also ruin the U.S.'s preparation. This is the big one now. Is Canada? the U.S.'s new rival now that Mexico are just the number three team in CONCACAF? I mean, as much as I know L3 is finished by now, I think no one's going to take ever Mexico's spot as the United States' rivals. I think what's going to happen right now is we're not really going to eliminate any rivals. U.S. and Mexico will always have the rivalry because the U.S.-Mexico rivalry is more than just soccer, right? It's not just soccer. It's There's much more to it. Uh, the soccer rivalry, if anything, it's the healthy one, right? It's the good one. Uh, but in terms of uh, that, I think Canada is just going to be an addition, right? Maybe these three nations can become the Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay of CONCACAF and become a very nice rivalry of all three of them. I know Mexico is already having a hard time dealing with Canada, and I'm looking forward to us playing Canada in the next window at Canada. You guys outplayed us in the United States when we faced in Nashville. But you never know what to expect from Greg Berhalter, right? So it's going to be an exciting game. Just like, to me, this window, the best game to watch was Mexico and Canada. That was my favorite game out of all of them. Josh, Adrian, again, just go one after the other. Is This this is the big one, right? Uh, now that we're the best team in CONCACAF, the king of the Norths, um, this is the big one now, right? Wait, 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 wait. Your hand go up so quickly. Yeah, Lipo yeah, did not like this. I, I still, we still have the crown in the United States. You guys still got a job to do. You still got to beat the United States. You haven't beaten us even in our home. We have two trophies from this year. So beat us in January. Nations League doesn't count. <laughs> Let's see what happens in Canada next next year, early next year, and then we'll think about it. And also, first qualify to the World Cup because it's, it's been a while. I don't know where you guys were, if you guys were playing in Mars or a different planet, but I haven't seen you in the World Cup in a long... Oh, well, i never seen it in my lifetime, actually. No. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, jokes like jokes aside from Filippo, he he was poking some fun at us on Twitter this morning. So my Twitter's just been erupt, and and I'll be very un, unbiased and and very realistic in terms of that. I, I do agree. Right now, that the best, I guess, team in is the U.S. From what they've what they've achieved so far, where they're sitting, they're still heavy favorites. We're only on sixteen points. Still, some hard matches to go, especially going away to the Central American teams are not going to be easy. We have to take on the States one more time. And we're two points out of fourth. If, if we are, aren't careful, we could potentially end up in that fourth spot, go to the Interconfederational. This thing is far from over, but I there's a lot of what I like to see. Uh, and I, a lot of it comes from the mentality that Herman stowed into these, these players. I truly believe that they're not afraid anymore. And as a fan, I'm not afraid. I was a very realistic fan going up against Mexico over the summer, going up against the U.S. of what I was expecting from this side. But to see what Herbman got the mentality and the buy-in and all the different systems that he's able to play the game. I know the game management sometimes can be debated, but there's a lot to really believe in this Canadian national team side. And I think it'd be a shame at this point if we don't finish in the top three, but we do have to be humble. There is a long way to go. And that fourth place does scare me because Panama just simply hasn't gone away. But King Con- CONCACAF, I guess, 
I mean, I'm going to bath in it right now because we are top of the table, sleep boys, so you cannot change that. But uh, there's still a lot, lot to go, and I'm hoping that Canada can keep it going. Adrian, final word to you. Yeah, I absolutely agree with what Josh was saying. And, you know, it's sort of what he was saying about being confident and not being afraid of these teams anymore. That's something that, you know, going into this international break, Manu, you had asked us what our expectation was points-wise. And I think both of us, said, we both doubled down and said six points. And the fact that they were actually able to sort of, you know, deliver on that confidence is just something that we're not really used to. But um, no, I think that culturally, we're never going to take away the rivalry or we're never going to sort of usurp the rivalry between the USA and Mexico. But maybe competitively at this moment, I think that Canada and USA are the top two teams. Um, But like Josh alluded to, pesky Panama, people really aren't talking about them. And I believe they're just a couple of points back. They're still right there and no one's really mentioning them. So it's something to be aware of. And, you know, they could pull off something crazy. Maybe they sort of jump over Mexico soon. Maybe they jump over one of the other top three teams. Who knows at this point? So there's still a long way to go and anything can happen. Yeah, I'm going to round this up here. But uh, Panama could hurt one of the top three teams. And last time around, it was U.S. Maybe this time around, it's Mexico because it's not going to be Canada. Um, I'm going to just say that right there. It's not going to be Canada. I have to keep thinking that. Um, yeah, this was a great show, guys. Um, really enjoyed this. And I think some some good thoughts here. And um, really looking forward to the January games and um, keeping up this rivalry that we now have with Filippo. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's a friendly rivalry because that's where we are. We're Canadians. Um, yeah, guys, we'll be back next week. We're actually going to have club football back. So we're going to talk about that a bit more about European club football. But I hope you enjoyed um, us conquer cuffing this week a little bit more so yeah until next week cheers and bye bye